In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Last year, on the first Sunday of Lent, I spoke to you at some length about the importance of fasting. Not just spiritual fasting, but fasting indeed, that is, from food and drink. My lesson this year will continue off of that and talking about something else, which is, according to all of our fathers in the faith, of much greater importance, even if we cannot forget about fasting. Indeed, we can all lament the relaxation of the fasting rules, and if we read spiritual authors over the centuries, we find in every generation there are those who complain about the fact that the observance of Lent has become so lax, although surely no one could have imagined it would ever reach the point where you have only two obligatory days of fasting and abstinence on the calendar. As our preacher on Ash Wednesday reminded us, even if those are the only two days that are binding in sin, every single day of Lent, the Code of Canon Law reminds us, is a day of penance. We are by all means encouraged to engage in voluntary fasting and abstinence on the other days. Indeed, we can all look back to the rules of fasting as found in 1962, in 1862, in the mid, or before the mid-18th century, when meat was first allowed during Lent, even back to the Middle Ages, when the fasting was still rigorous and almost as strict as it was in the first ages of the Church, right after the institution of Lent by the Holy Apostles. Certainly we can be inspired by the example of our fathers and desire with generous hearts to imitate them. But we must never forget that fasting is one of the weapons of the spiritual combat during Lent. It is not the goal of Lent. And to gain a victory, what use is a sword that is too heavy for you to lift? We then should agree on a plan of penance, and especially of fasting and abstinence, which is prudent, and having obtained the permission of our confessor, knowing then that it is done in humility and obedience. But this Sunday, I wish to speak to you about another weapon in our arsenal. It is not so much a secret weapon as perhaps a rusted and forgotten one. Nevertheless, its use has always been vigorously encouraged, indeed required, by the Church. Its discipline is by no means relaxed. Although much the way fasting has become today, the Church's laws have never really set down any specific rules for its practice. You may feel empowered to wield this arm with as much vigor as did all our first fathers in the faith. I wish to speak to you today especially about almsgiving, that is, the works of mercy. For our word alms is nothing else than another word for mercy. Perhaps we do not know the seven corporal works and seven spiritual works of mercy by heart, but after the sermon, if you like, you can review by opening the back of your red missile booklets there in the pew. But I remind you now only briefly As for the corporal works of mercy, 
They are named for us by our Lord Jesus Christ himself. We are told that they are the very words he will utter at the last judgment. To feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, visit the sick, ransom the captive, bury the dead, and the spiritual works, to instruct the ignorant, counsel the doubtful, admonish sinners, bear wrongs patiently, forgive offenses willingly, comfort the afflicted, pray for the living and the dead. We know then that works of mercy are a precept of divine law. Indeed, we are taught by theologians that they are even a precept of the natural law, that is, even natural man is able to understand the obligation to perform works of mercy toward his neighbor. But our Lord's teaching leaves absolutely no doubt on the question. Almsgiving is not a counsel like the counsel of monastic poverty. It is a commandment, and we are obliged to, to obey, all of us without exception. If we read the sermons of our fathers in the faith for Lent, we can only be astonished by the boundless eloquence to which they are given when they speak about almsgiving. St. Leo the Great says to his flock, let no one, dearly beloved, flatter himself on any merits of a good life if works of charity be wanting in him. Let him not trust in the purity of his body if he be not cleansed by the purification of almsgiving. For almsgiving wipes out sin, kills death, and extinguishes the punishment of perpetual fire. St. <clears throat> Gregory of Nyssa. There is a kind of fasting which is not bodily, a spiritual self-discipline which affects the soul. This is abstinence from evil. And it was as a means to this that our abstinence from food was prescribed. Therefore I say to you, fast from evildoing, Discipline yourselves from covetousness. Abstain from unjust profits. Starve the greed of mammon. Keep in your houses no snatched or stolen treasure. Loose every bond of injustice and do the knots of covenants made by force. Break your bread to the hungry. Bring the poor and homeless into your house. When you see the naked, cover him. Despise not your own flesh. Finally, St. John Chrysostom, after speaking to his flock and assuring them how much he reveres fasting, reminds them nevertheless that our Lord said, not learn of me how much I fasted, but learn of me that I am meek and humble of heart. I revere fasting, he says, yet we must not forget that it is lowest in the rank of good works. To do alms, he says, is a work greater than miracles. To feed the hungry in the name of Christ is a work greater than raising the dead in Christ's name. When you work miracles, you are God's debtor. When you give alms, God is your debtor. God is our debtor. How can a father and doctor of the church dare to speak in this manner? 
He is not the only one. St. Augustine explains, yes, God has made himself our debtor. Not because he has received anything from us that he must return. No, not by receiving anything, but by promising us everything. Yes, in this promise, all of the promises of Christ are clearly tied to our works of mercy. There is no getting around it. If you intend to undergo a rigorous fast like that of our fathers, you must imitate their almsgiving as well, for they explain that the two are always tied together. They have told us today even that mortification should be seen as a road to almsgiving, which in turn is the firm foundation for ascending to God in charity through prayer. Mortification, mercy, charity. The love of God, the true meaning of the word charity, is the goal of the spiritual life. God's love greets us at the beginning. For without his love touching our souls, that is, without grace, we could never perform any works pleasing to him. But once we have responded to grace and begun to cooperate with it, we must ascend to loving him in return by the path he has set out for the banished children of Eve, mortification, mercy, and charity. Mortification leads to mercy, and mercy then leads to worthy prayer and the love of God. Concupiscence of the flesh, concupiscence of the eyes, and the pride of life. Behold our threefold enemy during Lent. The first is healed by fasting and mortification. Fasting leaves us light, healthy, and free to give ourselves with zeal to works of mercy, which heal our vanity and greed. Then at last, we will pray, not like the self-righteous publican, but with contrite hearts. Lord, behold thy unprofitable servant. O God, have mercy on me, a sinner. If you give up meat and dairy, alcohol, oil, sugar, all this should be done in a spirit of simplicity and poverty. And following the example of our fathers, the money you shave off your grocery bill, the time you save in the kitchen, should be devoted to feeding the hungry. If there is a charitable organization you trust, wonderful. But it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to give money to a far-off cause. The money you save could simply pay for gas in your car to transport meals you have prepared to a family right here in our community. They don't have to be starving or destitute. Just folks, whether because of a newborn child, an illness, an accident on the farm, could use a helping hand at the moment. If you give up internet, and you know how much we encourage you to do that, blogs, social media, video games, screen time in general, secular music, if you give up social engagements, going out with your friends, you are saving precious time, time which, according to our fathers, belongs to those in need. 
Again, keep it simple. Start right at home and in our community. Spend one-on-one time with each one of your children. Spend time regularly with a sick or aging relative or acquaintance. Visit someone stuck in the hospital or housebound or in prison. Let's face it, most of us know somebody. Greet someone here at church you've never greeted or barely know. Have a full-fledged conversation with them down in the hall. What is holding you back, if not perhaps your pride of timidity? Children, teenagers, expired teenagers, that is, young adults, you are not exempt. No clicks during Lent. Part of growing up is overcoming your selfishness, stepping outside your comfort zone, and being generous of yourself. A young, smiling face in a moment's time with a relative, someone down in the hall, or anywhere in your busy life. That's all I'm asking. Tomorrow is Judgment Day. It is not by chance that tomorrow's gospel is that of Christ coming in judgment. We know we will be judged on every idle word we have uttered. We must make an account of all of our deeds, all we have failed to do. Yet we cannot help being struck by the fact that it is only works of mercy that are mentioned in the inspired account of the Last Judgment. While we still have time, then, let us do good to all men, especially those of the household of the faith, but to any in need, so that we may be found worthy to hear the words of him who is now our Savior, then our Judge. Come, ye blessed of my Father, possess the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, thirsty, and you gave drink, a stranger, you took me in, naked, and you covered me, sick and in prison, and you visited me. Whenever you did it, to the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Amen.